Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Taryn, Joe, uh, the Flyers are coming off a three-game losing streak to the Devils, and then they split a two-game set with the Penguins. They have three games left in this 2020-21 season. I think the roller coaster ride has certainly continued with this team uh, when they lose three straight to New Jersey, and then they absolutely smack the first-place Penguins, uh, but then fall back to where they are um, with a 7-3 loss to Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. So definitely more ups and downs with this team, uh, but still plenty to watch, plenty to evaluate. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Taryn Hatcher, I'll start with you. What did you think of the two-game set with the Penguins? Um... How impressed were you with the, with the win, but then how disappointing were you with with the follow-up? As we know now, since the start of March, the Flyers are 1-11-0 in games after a win. So they, they just can't piece together a winning streak. Um, even though they're out of it right now, I think that's still kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to summarize it was Jonesy and I were walking into the building yesterday at the same time. And Jonesy went to hold the door for me and he goes, how about yesterday's game, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, that was so weird, wasn't it? And I was like, yep, that was very strange because it was like, that's the Flyers team that I think everybody hoped and expected would show up every night from the beginning of the season. And to be frank, we haven't seen them, I don't think one time play an entire game like that uh, all season. Um and it was just like, why, why this now kind of vibe? It was very strange. And then last night happens and you're kind of back to where you thought you were. And then you're confused about where you really are. Like, is the talent level what we saw on Monday? Is that like a, like a true talent level for where this team would, would and should be at if it wasn't for COVID restrictions and preseason training, the COVID pause in the middle of the season, you know, kind of getting derailed by your goaltender struggles. Like, is that the team that we would have seen all year? Um, But then, you know, you have to live in reality and that's not the team we saw all year. So it was strange. And I think if you're a fan uh, and a lot of the fan reception that I was seeing online 
um, is that really after Monday's game, as much as it's nice to feel good about that, especially because it was against Pittsburgh, it, it almost made people mad that it was like, where, where is this team the rest of the time? Because that team felt like it was the one that showed up more consistently last year. And it, so it doesn't feel like a true one-off performance. You know, it doesn't feel truly like they just played out of their skates as one night. Um, it feels more like that should be the standard that exists this season that didn't. So it was strange. Um, like Jonesy said, it, how weird. It was yeah. just weird. It was so weird, too, because it came on the heels of a three-game losing streak to the Devils. And, and you're to the point where, like, you're just seriously scratching your head, and then you're not expecting anything against the Penguins because Pittsburgh's in first place. They're vying to win the East Division. Um, so your expectations go low, and then the Flyers uh, surprise and, and give you something where, yeah, you really think, where was this uh, more often throughout the season? And one and one thing that certainly hit me was I'll say this with 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 the Flyers this year and the way in which they play. Elaine Vigneault's system is so predicated on uh, north south attack oriented, uh, four check based, uh, live in the offensive zone, effort effort effort. And I think in this type of season where the schedule is so crammed, there's so little practice. Um, there's so little days between games. Uh, I think the Flyers have had real difficulty playing that style. And let's be real, they're not a team with immense amount of skill. They're not the Lightning or some of those other teams like Edmonton um, that can really get by just with top-end, top-end skill. They're a team that plays a system with an effort-based um, game to it. And I think they've had difficulty playing that night in and night out just with the schedule that, that, that they've had to, to deal with. Um, so it's just been a weird year where the Flyers just have not looked like the team people have expected. Joe, what did you think of the two games against Pittsburgh? Um, and really, what are you looking for over these final three uh, that they have the rest of the way? Well, I think um, you can tell that the, the subject of where was this uh, against the Devils or where has this been through much of this season frustrates Elaine Vigneault because he refused to answer the question about it. And to me, that's a telltale sign that he, he, he's wondering the same thing. And how could you not? Because the Flyers dictated the pace of that game from the opening faceoff, um, aside from maybe four-minute stretch in the third period there, um, and that was mainly because the Penguins had a couple power plays, got a couple goals, you know. Um, but really, I mean, that was a wire-to-wire -wire type of game for the Flyers. And, I mean, I think we could count on one hand how many wire-to-wire -wire wins the Flyers have had this entire season. It doesn't matter if they're playing Buffalo, they're playing Boston, Pittsburgh. They haven't had wire-to-wire -wire games. And um, I think that, that, that showed in that lack of answer from the head coach the other night that he's trying to figure it out too. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely a puzzling phenomenon. And, uh, you know, this, the whole idea that it's the rivalry uh, with the Penguins, 
I understand that. But I don't think that a rivalry by itself can have that drastic effect of an effect on how a team plays. I just, I, re- I really don't. Um, you know, it, 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 these are professionals. And a lot of these guys have been on several different teams. So I'm not saying, I'm not discounting what the rivalry is. I'm discounting that it can totally reshape the way a team plays um, to the point where the team's not recognizable one game to the next game. Um, But then, you know, they revert back to that in the second game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, I, I will say this. I think the second game was closer than that score indicated. It got away late. Um, but the Flyers were in much of that game, um, and, they, and they didn't go away. They weren't going away. They kept coming at the Penguins. The Penguins would get a two-goal lead. They would cut it to one. Two-goal lead, cut it to one, which unfortunately has been a theme for the Flyers this year. Get a momentum goal, give up a momentum goal. That's continued. Um, you know, it continued in their last game here. So uh, when you look at Washington, I, I'm – I'm curious to see what Washington team is going to be out there. You have all kinds of stuff going on with them right now. Um, Ovechkin, I believe the other night played one shift and then came out of the game when he was questionable to begin with, uh, played the game, but only played one shift and then left the game with some sort of, you know, injury type of setback. And um, so we're wondering that um, Evgeny Kuznetsov, uh, there's been some, mystery about exactly what's going on with him he was out of the lineup with a uh, disciplinary reasons and then got placed on the COVID protocol list so seems like he'll be out for these games um so it's you kind of wonder what capitals team is going to be out there but you're going to have a same scenario facing you a team that is playing for the number one seat and um it's going to be interesting uh regardless of those players, you still have a, a Backstrom, Carlson. Uh, there's a lot of really, really good players, not to mention some other guys that have come along for them recently, like Daniel Sprung out of nowhere um, is now a goal scorer. So it, it's, it's going to be another one of those where you wonder which flyer team is going to show up. Um, but uh, it, it definitely should be interesting. Um to see how the Flyers end this season. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, too, how that last game of the year against the Devils goes considering what happened against those or happened in those, that four game set last week with the three losses. So um, should be an interesting last few games here. Flyers talk is brought to you by great railing. Stop into great railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing decking and fencing needs. Indeed, Joe, that last game against the Devils, uh, the regular season finale uh, at Wells Fargo Center should definitely be interesting. Uh, you really hope the Flyers come out and give their fans something, uh, give, give them some fight, uh, and perhaps maybe we even see Cam York for an NHL debut. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I have a feeling the Flyers are going to try maybe something there, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, I, I want to see the Flyers come out and play well against the Capitals, another team that's vying for the division, and I think it's a good barometer for the Flyers. To, to really build a positive going into the offseason. Sometimes those final games stick with you over the offseason. You're hoping that a 7-2 win over the Penguins uh, is something they can think about going into the offseason and, and, and use it uh, moving forward. 
Tanner Hatcher, Brian Elliott played his 500th game. That was pretty cool, I thought. Uh, very nice moment for him. His wife, Amanda, and his two boys were uh, ringside during warm-ups. Um, he was uh, pretty emotional after the game and, and was able to soak it in and really reflect on it. Even though the result wasn't what they wanted, he was really able to reflect on it and what it meant. I thought the Flyers really did an excellent job uh, magnifying it and making it uh, what it was. They, they did a great job really highlighting the accomplishment. Um, what did you think of it? And Brian Elliott is a guy also that I think we're going to be wondering if he's back next season. Um, how do you feel about his season and just his situation moving forward? Um, well, obviously 500 games, especially for a goaltender, when you think about it, a player who generally splits their time, Brian Elliott's case, you know, even though this year it seems like it's been 50-50, if not more, um, is usually not on a 50-50 split, um, is a tremendous accomplishment, obviously. So, and, you know, when you look at his story and especially his story when it comes to his wife and the way their family came together, you just, you feel good about whatever he accomplishes. Um, and, and for those of you who aren't going to Google it, his, his wife is in the military and they, when they met, she was in ROTC, I believe at Wisconsin where they were in college together. I believe I have that right. And basically like they made their relationship work through her being in the military and his start in the NHL and all of that. It's, it's a really great story. And it was so nice to see his kids there as well. And uh, the mooselings, I think is what Travis Konechny calls them. Very cute moment. And it was something to feel good about on a night where there wasn't like a ton to, to really uh, feel good about when the night was over. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I've said this before. I think one of the most underrated storylines going into the off season is will Brian Elliott be back, you know, because one, if the season's taught you anything, it's how important he is. You imagine a season where maybe the Flyers play really well and Carter Hart plays really well and Brian Elliott doesn't seem quite so important as, you know, your your secondary guy. Um, and that's just not true. And instead, this season, everything's gone wrong and it's only made it more clear how important he is to you as a team. Um but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see if he's still here, if he wants to be here, if this is the workload he potentially wants to carry at 36 next year, he'll be 37 within the season. Um, I don't, uh, who's to say, I mean, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I, I wonder if, you know, I'm sure he still wants to play and he believes he can still play. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if retirement's on his mind. I truly do. Just maybe given uh, he, he mentioned how 500 was an accomplishment he was kind of eyeing. He, he didn't think he would totally get it this year, just given the schedule and then obviously balancing time with Carter Hart. It turned out he does get it right near the tail end of the season. Um, and there was kind of like a sense of finality to um, his emotions in his interview. Like he was just real, real, proud of himself and real uh, appreciative of everyone that have helped him on the, along the way. So I, I don't know. I wonder if retirement's in his mind a little bit, but I have a feeling he wants to give it one last kick at the can, especially in a regular season where the NHL is going to be returning to some sense of normalcy next year. Um, and I think the Flyers will be open to it, but yeah, it, 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 it Taryn, I agree. It's re it really is an underrated storyline because so many people make up 
make a lot out of uh, they need a top pair defenseman. Uh, they're struggling to give up goals. Could they use maybe a more high-end scorer? Uh, Carter Hart's backup is a huge deal because we know what Carter Hart went through. And obviously there's got to be a little bit of doubt about what goaltender he uh, is next season and, and where will his confidence be? Will he be reliable like he was last season? So they're going to need someone that's pretty dependable back there. So just one of many objectives for the team uh, going into the off season, but let's get into our cold brew check presented by Duncan. We had a moment in Tuesday night's game. That's for sure. There was definitely some tensions running high and former flyer, Mark Freeman is still kind of in the middle of things when he plays the flyers. As we know, Freeman was on the flyers. He played four games with the flyers this year before being claimed by Ron Hextall and the penguins in February, and now he has played four games with the Penguins against who? Guess? The Flyers. All four of his games have come against the Flyers, and there's been some feistiness there between the two sides. The latest was on Tuesday night. He fights Joel Farabee in the second period, and then in the third period, as he scores an empty net goal, Shane Gossesberg gives him a nice little cross check in the back. Freeman went flying into the boards. There was a little bit of a melee at the end. And uh, as we learned, as we were just started recording this podcast on Wednesday morning, Shane Gossespierre will have a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety for that cross check to the back of Mark Freeman. So with our cold brew check, why not talk a little bit about Shane Gossespierre? Do we think he even deserves a hearing? And what, what is his future with the team? Taryn Hatcher, I will start with you. Um, I mean... Whether he deserves a hearing or not, it doesn't live in a vacuum in this situation because they are going to play the Capitals, and we all know what happened with Tom Wilson. And the, the Rangers absolutely roasted George Peros in their statement that they released to Twitter. And we I brought it up on pregame the other day. I've never seen a franchise call out a head of player safety like that. I've never seen it as like a franchise statement. Um, but I think people are really – pissed at Tom Wilson and I know there's the argument like oh if you would take him on your team if he was there and this that the next thing for what he contributes and it's like when you when you watch back that fight from the other night the thing that irks me is that it was pretty clear that none of those refs were physically capable of stopping Tom Wilson and Tom Wilson had no intent of stopping until I think like he was wailing on Panarin and it started to be his teammates who looked like they sort of were trying to, at that point, like simmer the situation down. And so the whole irony of Tom Wilson's going to get a $5,000 fine, which is less than what these guys spend on a, on a Louis Vuitton briefcase that they bring on the team plane with them. Like, let's be realistic. And Shane Goss's bear is going to get a hearing for the hit on Friedman. And I, I get it. Like they go after Friedman, they run at Friedman every single time they play. Um, and there's there, Jonesy acknowledged it on, on air last night. So I feel like we can acknowledge it. Like there's reason for that. He, he was very, uh, it wasn't a secret that he was malcontent as Jonesy would put it when it came to ice time and players who played in front of him and who got more ice time and this, that, and the next thing. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things where, and to take a meeting, Jordan, and Joe and I were talking about this beforehand, and I'm, it's early and I didn't have time to look it up. Doesn't that have like a minimum suspension when you have to take a meeting with, 
player safety? Doesn't that just come with a minimum minimum suspension or no? Uh, no, it does not. I think you can you can be fined with a hearing. Okay. Because um, we were having that conversation earlier this year think, about uh, like a phone, and I think um. Oh, in person meeting is different, right? That's yeah. what it is. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember what the rule was off the top of my head, and I was sitting there like, if she yeah, got scared, somehow ends up with a suspension for that hit. But there has been no acknowledgement of the Artemi Panarin hit. None. None. The, the fine was for the Pavel Buchnevich roughing. It wasn't for the Artemi Panarin body slam. Mm. I don't know how you start to make sense of that. I, I don't. Taryn, did, I, I was thinking, too, I, I had this thought cross my mind, and we didn't go in this direction with any of this conversation last night, but did you feel that might have been a little bit too of like a, a a bit of a New York flex there last night uh, in them putting out that statement? Like we're the New York Rangers, you know, maybe we, maybe, maybe they have a little more weight than if say, uh, I don't know, pick your random team, the Buffalo Sabres say it, you know, it, um, it, it gets, it certainly gets more noticed and it was a bigger discussion point in national sports media yesterday because it involved the New York Rangers. Uh, I definitely noticed that for sure. So I, I wondered if that, if that was like, okay, now the Rangers can go out since this has become a topic that's crossed over into national sports. And quite frankly, some outlets and shows and things, places that aren't generally talking about hockey are now talking about this. Um, I felt like that might have maybe given, given the Rangers that extra push to put out such a forceful statement like they did last night. I, I don't know if that thought had crossed your mind, but um, it, it did, as I've seen this develop, I, I did start to think that. I think the overall theme here is honestly just, I think, uh, the, the, I think the NHL just needs to be more consistent. I think that's what people are just crying oh. for. They just they mystify everyone with each hearing, with each ruling. You just never know. And I think that's what people are just crying for is just consistency. They don't want to be confused. They don't want to be um, totally up in the air whenever they see these things happen of like, okay, well, what will it be? You never know. Like the fact is, like when people are saying you never know when you see these hearings, um, that's not a good thing because if, the, if that just means the league's not being consistent in its rulings and Tom Wilson, I think, was case in point. Um, the NHL consistently says in their in their reviews of these of these plays or these penalties that they that they that they go over, they consistently harp on repeat offender and how that matters. Being a repeat offender, Tom Wilson is a repeat offender. He is a guy. He's a textbook repeat offender. And here was something that people thought was pretty egregious, and he walks away with a fine after having a real lengthy suspension earlier. It's you know, just, it's funny, Jordan, when you talk about the lengthy suspension earlier, you think about that hit on Brandon Carlo earlier in this season in which Carlo missed, I believe, a month or maybe even longer. Um, you had some people arguing that maybe that shouldn't have been a suspension. Have you heard one person argue and defend his actions against the Rangers the other night? Well, I haven't. What, this is what's confusing is that it's like, you have ghosts. It's almost like because it happened in a scenario where 
I guess like rules don't exist or, or there's not very, there's not very clearly defined rules or a ton of rules or whatever about like once a fight actually ensues, what you do, it seems like is up to the discretion of whoever that he got off because of it. And it's kind of like, all right, well, if there's, if there's no laws about killing somebody on the ice, you're allowed to kill somebody on the ice, but you just, you can't hit them late and you can't target the head and, you know, and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. At some point, logic does have to be brought into the picture. And logically speaking, like what he did to Panarin, first of all, what he did to Buchnevich is, is, is targeting the head on the ground. So I don't understand that quite either. But then what he did to Panarin, like it's, it's almost like they haven't addressed it because they're like, well, that happened in the scope of a fight, I guess. But it's like, well, when is that going to matter? Because you could argue at that point that you can absolutely take your skate off and attack somebody with it in a fight. And at the end of the day, nothing's going to happen because it was within the scope of a fight. And that's the part where it's like, well, this is just logic. You know, you can, you can argue against, was this hit late? Did he intend to hit him in the head? Did the guy move? You know, I know with the Carlos stuff, it was like, did he come in at, ang- at this angle? Did Carlo move? Is that why he basically decapitated him? Like whatever. In this situation, when you pick somebody up and you flip them over and slam them on the ground, and it's not a, it's not carpet, and it doesn't even have the give of hardwood. Like I've walked on the Sixers hardwood floor before, and I've walked on the Flyers ice before. The the ice would hurt more than the hardwood would. It doesn't doesn't make any sense and like like you said Jordan it is mystifying and the thing that's really irritating is that it's like once you cross the line it seems like they acknowledge you cross the line but then it doesn't actually matter how much further you go over the line it, they they don't account for that they just account for and I'm not trying to sit here and be a whiny baby I like physical hockey like I grew up in South Philly or excuse me in South Jersey with lures of flyers past my entire life. But this is one of those things where you're just like, this guy clearly was like seeing red and no one was going to stop him until he wanted to stop. Like, Mm -hmm. and it concerns you for how many more times is he going to do it? Because again, like Scott was saying, he's been fined over a million and a half dollars over the course of his NHL career. Um, and I did not fact check that, but I trust what Scott said. What's what's another five grand when you've already done all that? Like, yeah, realistically, it doesn't matter to these guys. Yeah, and the point of these suspensions, like one guy that I've covered um, that I can really remember getting hit with a number of suspensions that grew in games, and and the effect of it was Racco Gudis. Um, I believe he had three in Philadelphia. I have to look back. Um, I wrote about them all probably, but they all grew in games and, and they were pretty serious suspensions. And to be honest, his game changed. He cleaned up his play. He realized he couldn't do certain things that he maybe wanted to do. Um, and that's, that's the whole point of these suspensions. Racco Gudis knew going forward, he had to be smarter. And if he wasn't, he was going to get hit with a number of games and that affects guys in many ways. They understand maybe when they hit the free agent market or if teams want them or not want them, they're going to look at their track record of, suspensions and are they a clean player are they a smart player and Rakagoose became a better player because of it really he became a better defenseman he, he didn't lose his physical edge but he got smarter and 
he was more selective in when he did when he did things because of those suspensions. So that is the effect those these suspensions can have if you are if you're if you come down in the right way, the right manner with your punishment. If Tom Wilson walks away with just a slap on the wrist with a fine, is he going to think again or think twice when he's in a scrum or he's doing certain things that um, really you know do we need in the game? So. Yeah, it's just NHL just needs to be consistent. So when she, with Shane Gossesbear here, I'm not really surprised. The, the cross check was late. Um, it's after Freeman scores the goal. It's not necessary. And the player goes flying into the boards. So, yes, it's a dangerous play. I'm not surprised the NHL is looking at it. If someone was to ask me, what do I think Ghost is going to get? I honestly truly have no idea. I don't think any of us do because the NHL has been that confusing, that confounding with how they come down on these things. I've, I've seen a number of them now with the Flyers. I can never predict them. It's really difficult. But what do you guys think about Shane Gossespierre's future, though? Joe Fortis, I'll start with you. Do you think he's in this team's future uh, after this offseason? Do you think he's a Flyer next year? Um, I, I will say this. I, I, would, I want him to be a Flyer next year. I, I have my doubts about whether he will be one. But I'll say this, how many players on this team right now can drive the offense of the team? He's one of a small group of guys. And when he has it rolling, the team usually has it rolling. And I, I that's not easy to find in the league. And um, yeah, I understand, you know, defensively, he's not the most sound defenseman, but there's plenty of players around the league that maybe you'd say sacrifice a little bit of defense for their offensive game. And um, you, I, I would like to see him on the team next year. Um, the cap hit is, is uh, something where I could see them leaving him unprotected um, in the expansion draft. I feel like he would be a candidate for that for sure. Um, and I think that could be a tr an attractive player for a franchise like Seattle. Um, so I think that if he's not on the team next year, I feel like that might is the most likely scenario is that he ends up um, in Seattle, um, you know, as a, as a, one of the players they build around, you know, a new franchise and, you know, I, I personally think that would be a shame to see because I'd like to see him here. And um, I think this year you've seen enough. You've seen more of things that made you think about his rookie year and his early career than you've seen of the things that reminded you of the following two years that where his, just, his game wasn't where it needed to be. And, you know, a lot of nights he couldn't crack the lineup. Um, so I, I think I've seen enough to think that I want Ghost on this team. Uh, and, you know, I hope he's here. Um, but I do think that Seattle thing is that if he's not here, that's the most likely um, landing spot. Yeah, certainly the whole protection thing is a big question for the Flyers, um, especially on defense. And Shane Gossesper, you can argue, is having his best offensive season since 2017-18 when he had a career-high 65 points. He has certainly resembled the player um, the most 
uh, we've seen the guy from the past. And uh, so that's, that's good for the Flyers. He's been great offensively. And, uh, you know, as the team tries to rework or retool itself and tries to fill some holes, I'm sure Shane Gossespierre is going to be a trade chip and a guy they probably look, you know, look at to, to potentially move. Um, he has been for a while, but as we know, his cap head is uh, not the prettiest uh, for opposing teams that might be willing to, to take on a player. Um, so that will be a challenge for the Flyers. But Shane Gossespierre is still under contract for two more years after this season and has done some real positive things for the Flyers. And they're not as deep as they thought or many thought on defense. So that will certainly be a big question. Taryn Hatcher, what about you? What do you think uh, of Shane Gossespierre's future in Philadelphia? Honestly, everyone's on the table. Like my guess is after the way the season went, pretty much everyone is on the table. I would argue maybe like Carter Hart's not. Um, but Shane is very much part of that. I'm with Joe where seeing what I've seen from him this season, I actually would like him to stay here in Philly. I think if the Flyers can get a veteran defenseman for the top fair, excuse me, for the top pair um, that lines up well with Provi, and then they can get some more consistency through their other pairings. I think some of those issues that you saw with Shane, especially when he sacrifices defensively, I think they get minimized, but like I've talked to the coaching staff and I've talked to players and everything and everyone will tell you, like it's, it is a lot harder when you're changing night in and night out who your pairs are, but that's just been the situation for the flyers this year. Um, and I think for Shane, if he found a, a D pair partner that worked well for him, um, he could contribute in a really positive way, which is what we've seen, especially since he's was put on waivers. Like he's just, really, really stepped it up. So we'll see where he can take it, but I, I would like to see him on this team. And the flip side of that is if he's not, then gain back some cap space and you have to go try to find somebody else with it. But I know Shane's not exactly a proven thing, but I think he has proven some things this season and it's much easier to work with. I think what you know, you have, than to try to find someone and figure out what they are. So who knows what's going to happen, but I, I would like to see him stay here in Philly. Yeah, likewise. I, I, I've enjoyed Shane Gossespierre, and um, I think he's been one of the brighter spots in this dark season, truly. Uh, he's a guy that I think has even exceeded expectations for many people. I think many people doubted his, his future and what he would do this year after just a nightmare season last year marred by injury. Um, he's been very good offensively. I think he's been consistent. I think you don't see a ton of defensive lapses like people would argue that you saw a lot of uh, in the past. So good for Shane Gossespierre and uh, just one of many, many big questions for the Flyers going into the offseason. And that was the cold brew check presented by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Well, Taryn and Joe, always great chatting with you. And we've got three games left, and two of them are against the Capitals on the road in D.C. Friday and Saturday against Washington, both games on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Cannot wait to watch pre- and post-game live, produced by Joe Fordyce and hosted by the Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, thank you so much as always. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. And Ben Barry, our podcast producer, a special thank you to you as well for getting up and doing this with us. I know you're always up early, so that's not a big problem for you, but thank you. And uh, Flyers fans, thank you as always for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate, and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.